For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome into the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. I am Noah Yingling, one of the site experts on Rocks Pile. And today I am joined once again by Kevin Larson. Kevin, how are you? Good. How are you doing today, Noah? Pretty good. And it's been an interesting week for the Rockies so far. And as they are in Miami right now, as we are recording this, they are losing six to nothing as Chichi Gonzalez allowed six runs in the second inning and the Rockies did win last night. Um, and then they lost the first game of the series, but after tonight they will go to Cincinnati where they will play three games against the Cincinnati Reds at what is affectionately known as great American small park. Um, and they will have a, 710 Eastern, 410 Eastern, and a 110 Eastern start for those three games before the Rockies head home to face the Padres. So for the Rockies, as we all know, on the road this year, they've been kind of, um, how do I put it delicately, sluggish, I guess is the word, with the offense. And um, there's been some players in general that have been kind of slow at the plate. Like, for example, on the site, we had uh, CJ Crone, how he he's been in kind of a slump, but one of the players that has not been in a slump lately is Rymel Tapia. And he, he has a seven game hitting streak entering Thursday and he is hitting something like, I believe 485 or something like that. Um, and recently, Kevin, you had an article on the site about Tapia and what he can learn from Ryan McMahon. And McMahon himself has been struggling a little bit lately, but Tapia has not, but it's been mainly on one thing, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's, it's been really weird. So if, uh, if you haven't checked out, if you're listening to this and you haven't checked out my article, um, one of the things that I had noticed with Rymel Tapia is this season, he's been hitting a, he has a ground ball percentage of around 61%. Uh, when I wrote the article, his WRC plus was around 79, which has generally been where he's been in his career. And when I kind of looked at the numbers, it reminded me a lot of uh, Ryan McMahon's batting profile last year, where he was hitting a tremendous amount of ground balls. He started this year pretty hot um, and it hit quite a few home runs and his WRC plus is up above 100. And one of the things that I had noticed was he had cut down his ground ball percentage from around that 50 to 51 percent number down to around, I think it was something like 32 percent. And his fly ball percentage was way higher 
year. And that was easily contributing to him being more successful. So when I wrote my article, I was saying, hey, basically Tapia can learn from McMahon by hitting the ball in the air um, a little bit more often. That's easier said than done. But over this uh, hitting streak for Tapia, what's been interesting is while he does have that batting average that's super high, I believe his WRC plus uh, during this uh, streak is close to around like 145. So he's hitting very well. Um, He's actually hitting more ground balls. He's at like 81% over this streak. Uh, I don't think he's hit a single fly ball. So I think that he's not taking my advice whatsoever about hitting the ball um, in the air more. But what I did find that was interesting when I was looking at his numbers over this streak was that his uh, hard hit percentage, according to StatCast, was actually above 50%. And that's a huge swing for Tapia, who uh, coming into um, coming into this hitting streak, his hard hit percentage was closer to around 31%, which is in like the 16th percentile um, of the majors this year, according to StatCast. Yeah, and that's one thing with the Rockies, where if you look on StatCast for them, especially on offense, you see a lot of blue, which is not a good sign. But if you haven't gone to StatCast before, you should go on there just to see some of the stuff. And you might, uh, if you don't learn something, you either know way more than I do or you don't understand it. But they, they try to make things as easily digestible as possible. They have, some, uh, they have a glossary of the different uh, acronyms and all that kind of stuff. But For the Rockies, I mean, like, looking right now, Jonathan Daza, barrel rate, is the bottom 10%. Hard hit rate, too. Exit velocity. Uh, Expected slugging percentage. Uh, Rymel Tapia, his barrel rate is 2%, which is the bottom 4% of the league. Uh, Joshua Fuentes is in the the lower 10% in six different categories. Um where it's it's nice to look at some of the stuff, but also too, like for example, with Tapia, I mean, if if you're able to hit well and you do hit it on the ground, then more power to you. It's just usually when you hit the ball with a little bit higher elevation, you're able to get it over fielders and you don't have to worry about them gloving it. For the Rockies on offense, if you look, right now there is one red thing, meaning top 10%, and that's Charlie Blackman's expected batting average, and that's 307. Originally, Ryan McMahon had a few. Um, in fact, he actually still does have one, barely. It's the exit velocity for him. It was a little bit higher. Um, so there's actually two red things on there for the Rockies, but that's one thing where with McMahon and um, I forget who had this on Twitter. I saw it yesterday where Ryan McMahon, after the first few games of the season, if you look at his numbers, they have not been particularly great overall. And that's, that's the thing with, with him is defensively. We all know how well he has been this year. I would venture a guess and not a guess. I would venture an opinion that he is actually better defensively than Nolan Arenado because he plays as well as Nolan Arenado on defense at two different positions. 
but offensively, he just he he's gotten better than he was last year, as you mentioned in your article. But he he still needs to take that extra step or two more. Where I mean, for example, he's hitting two fifty three, which that's that's not great, but that is a step in the right direction from where he was, where he hit two fifteen last year and two fifty the year before. Um, but one of the adjustments, as you mentioned in your article, was hitting the ball a little bit higher, but then also too, he's cut down on the strikeouts a lot because he has uh, about 50 more plate appearances this year than he did in 2020. And he has nine fewer strikeouts. So that's, that's one of been one of the key things for him. And he's been hitting for a little bit more power too, is his OPS is uh, 65 points higher than it was last year. Yeah, and um, the, the, the K percentage being cut down for Ryan McMahon was definitely a huge piece to his success. Like last year, uh, it was at 34.2%. Like, I don't know if you or I could have struck him out, but it was not one of uh, McMahon's finest years in those regards. Uh, when I wrote my article, and this, was out, this came out on Saturday last week, uh, it was down to 22.8%. So usually, um, you know, especially in the advanced world, we always focus on the um, three true outcomes. And it's not always the worst thing to have a high strikeout percentage like Ryan McMahon did. I think a lot of people will point to a guy like uh, Joey Gallo or even Aaron Judge at some points where you can have a strikeout percentage that is that high because at that point, you know, you're limiting yourself from weak contact and, you know, getting outs like that. And that can sometimes be worse for you, or if the runner's on base, you hit into a double play. Um, so having a high K percentage isn't always the worst thing, but if you are not backing that up with the power numbers that Joey Gallo and Aaron judge have, or even, um, you know, an, an eye for the zone, like Joey Gallo has a super high walk percentage. I don't know what it is this year, but every time that I look at it, I'm blown away. Right. Yeah. Um, so if you, you know, McMahon, cutting down on those strikeouts is, um, you know, a huge key to his success. And especially, you know, like you said, his hot start um, got him off there. He's already at 13 home runs this year and he had nine all of last year. Um, You know, he's had a really good start to the season that you hope to continue. Um, I did want to point out too. So the tweet that you had saw yesterday about Ryan McMahon's first game. So that is actually from our friend, Luke Hall, Uh, his handle. I I wasn't sure. So. Yeah, no worries. I saw the same tweet and I was like, ooh, um, if you want to, if you guys want to follow him on Twitter, his handle is at Oak Tree Status. Um, and yeah, he was saying the if you take away the first five games of the season this year for Ryan McMahon, his slash line is 235, 292, uh, 420. So that's a 712 OPS. Last year, he had a slash line of 215, 295. 419 and I gave him a 714 OPS. Um, so while the article that I wrote, you know, did kind of uh, feature like, hey, he's made a lot of good adjustments. A lot of that did happen at the very beginning of the season. And while he's still trying to, you know, kind of work through that right now, there's still a lot of positives that we can see. Yeah. And like I said, he's he's definitely made a step in the right direction, but he still needs to take a step or for a step or more. Um beyond that by the way with gallo too he is hitting 210 entering thursday and his on base percentage 369 (laughs) it's incredible so that's what at least like a 15 percent walk percentage somewhere around there yep 
he has a hundred and uh, 195 at bats, 244 plate appearances. He has 46 walks. That's so, crazy. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I mean, at the end of the day, you want to get on base because that means you're not getting out. That's why a lot of people are not looking at batting average because if you were looking at Joey Gallo in, 1985 you're like oh he's hitting 210 he, and he, he struck sucks. out 79 <laughs> times in 59 games okay he needs to be dfa but then you look at the on base and you're like oh he's getting on 37 percent of the time when that's that's among some of the best players in baseball and 35 even 10 15 years ago you'd be even still like eh it's he's sitting 210 but now you're like okay he's getting on 37 percent of the time and his his power numbers have not been great this year his ops is a little over 400 but i mean if you're getting on for other guys to drive you in then it doesn't really matter because you're not getting out and that's that's the point is to not get out um and that's why in in a way it, I think that's very good because, uh, like I said, you're not getting out. But also, too, you're getting with the, for example, with the time of game and all that, where players, uh, games are longer than ever before because players are more patient than ever before. And they're reading into these saber metrics where, in a way, it's a good thing because, okay, you're more educated about what's happening. But also, too, it could be coming at the cost of some fans where they're like, okay, you've got all these nerds looking at all these numbers and it's played on the field and not on a computer. So in a way, I get both aspects of it. Like, for example, with Joey Votto, oh, that pitch is a tenth of an inch off the plate. I'm not going to swing where you could have bases loaded and two out in the ninth inning and you're down by one and a walk there doesn't really help you. It, it does tie the game, but when you could be hitting that pitch to Kentucky. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, and that's another thing, too. I think that's – it kind of depends on the situation of the game, like with that. That's – okay, if you got a 3-2 pitch that's a millimeter off the plate, but you think you can hit it 500 feet away, you should probably be swinging. But in a way – the walk is still good too, because you're keeping the game going. For sure. And I think something like that, some of those different styles, um, this is actually a debate that I had. Um, I want to say, I think it was near the end of 2018. Joey Gallo was one of the guys that I was kind of talking about in this debate. And um, it, it involved DJ LeMayhew also. And I think that they're two different guys where, um, I don't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but this was, you know, at the time we're looking at Joey Gallo, his average was like right around 200. Um, I don't remember what his on base percentage was, but his WRC plus um, was around like 108. I think it was. And for, for anyone that's listening um, that doesn't know advanced stats, doesn't know what WRC plus is, um, it's a very easy way to just kind of look at an all-encompassing, uh, it's like an all-encompassing stat for how a hitter is hitting. So if, if our guy Joey Gallo has a WRC plus of 108, 
easiest thing to remember is 100 is league average. So at 108, it's basically like eight percentage points better than your league average hitter. So even though he's hitting for two, hitting it for a batting average of 200, he's basically 8% better overall than the other hitter. Um, at the same time, when we're looking at a guy like DJ LeMahieu and why some people were down on him back in those earlier years, um, is because he had a WRC plus that year around like 94 or 95, but his batting average was above 300 because he's not a power hitter. He's a contact hitter. He gets on, you know, he gets on base, but he, you know, sprays it to the opposite field. And so one of the debates that I was having is, you know, like maybe, especially with Rockies hitters sometimes and, you know, possibly, you know, Tapia to a point because, you know, when you're contact hitter, when you're a contact hitter and you're just putting it out there, especially at Coors Field, these park factored stats can be pretty harsh on you. Um, how harsh exactly? Not really completely sure, but, you know, there's plenty of data points out there that we can look to that show, hey, they should be probably a couple points better. But when you look at it situationally, I think that for a majority of the game, if you're looking at, you know, those two very contrasting styles between Joey Gallo, who is almost literally home run, strikeout, or walk, versus DJ LeMayhew, where, you know, you don't really walk much, you're putting the ball in play a ton, and you get a lot of hits. They're just not all powerful hits. Um, I think situationally, for a majority of the game, you probably want a guy like Joey Gallo there. But if you wanted just a hit in the ninth inning, like you said, um, and you just need a run or you just need a hit, um, DJ LeMahieu is probably the guy that you want because of the higher batting average. But it also shows, you know, in that situation, like how much the game has changed because you don't just want hitters for batting average right now situationally yes i think they can definitely apply um but it's just that's just kind of how i think some of these advanced stats have really changed the game and you know i think it's a good thing for people to learn more about them i don't know if you have to trust them 100 percent, but the more that you understand about them i think it kind of you know it just i don't want to say it makes you a better fan but a more educated fan as to why some of these players may be getting more playing time or not and why some people feel the way they do about players and even then, sometimes you're like, okay, why are uh, – I'll use the Rockies since we're talking about the Rockies. Okay, why are the Rockies benching player X instead of playing player Y? Like, for example, one thing that's been kind of been talked about some, particularly on Twitter, is why isn't Brendan Rodgers getting playing time every single day? You got on, what, three times, I believe, yesterday, and he was benched today. So that's, that's something where sometimes it's the best matchup they go with. Um, sometimes a player just needs a breather. But also, too, sometimes you can file it under, I have absolutely no idea what, that, uh, what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> As Bud Black likes to say, that's baseball. So. Right. <laughs> As we're talking about crazy stat lines, too, and how advanced stats kind of play into this, um, even StatCast also. I saw someone post up a StatCast kind of snippet and it said basically, hey, guess the player. Um, so I have to bring up this stat line for you just to kind of show everyone, hey, you know, why batting average maybe isn't necessarily the metric that you should follow right now um, and why some of the more advanced stats or even the simpler stats like on-base percentage, OPS, how those play into uh, deals. So this player who could have been a Rocky, or I think we wanted to be a Rocky for a while. Yasmani Grandal. If you have not looked up his slash line, go look at it. 
It is insane. He is hitting for a batting average of 155. So in the 80s, you're like, dude, cut this guy. Send him to the minors. He is, he's out of here. He's terrible. He has a WRC plus of 136. <laughs> and that's because he has an on-base percentage of 398 and a slugging percentage of 405. He's walking 28.7% of the time. 28.7. He leads the American League in walks with 48. And he has played in less than three quarters of the White Sox games. <laughs> he has it's played an in 43 stat line. 43 games he has played in. He has walked 48 times. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's absolutely insane. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that WRC plus of 136 would actually lead the Rockies right now outside of uh, Chris Owings, who's played five or seven games yes <laughs> and there's a wrc would. plus of like 350 <laughs> yeah that that would lead the rockies so but on the other side of this break we'll talk a little bit more about some of the advanced numbers as well as some betting odds for this weekend that you may or may not want to do we'll have that on the other side of this break and we are back here on the rocks pile rockies report no yingling and kevin larson here with you today and before the break, we were talking about uh, some of the Sabre stats where, like, back in the 80s, like we had mentioned with Yasmani Grandal. I mean, batting average-wise, he would probably be the worst Rockies player, or one of. On base, he would be the best. Um, and there's, there's a lot of players like that now, amazingly enough. And, and I mean, like, for example, I think... If I remember correctly, it was Michael Conforto. I could be wrong on that. Um, yeah, he, he actually is one of them. Where he, uh, this year, he is hitting 230. He's only played in 33 games because he's been injured. But he's hitting 230, but he's got an OBP of 356. So his OPS plus at least is 97. Weighted runs created plus is probably a little bit above league average, but there's another one. He's hitting 230. Oh, you should cut him. Oh, but look at his on base. He's, he's actually <laughs> decent. Um, so, yeah, th there's a lot of players like that in baseball. And, I mean, there's, there's been not a ton on the Rockies in the last few years, but, like, you were talking about uh, DJ LeMahieu. He was hitting over 300, and there were multiple years he hit th over 300, but his OPS plus was below league average because, mm -hmm. uh, for example, 2015, 301 average, 92 OPS plus, which if you don't know the difference between OPS plus and weighted runs created plus, it's, it's very similar stats. It's just fan graphs does WRC plus, baseball reference does OPS plus. It, they're slightly different calculations but their their end goal is the same in encompassing all of offense so 2017 310 average 93 ops plus 2018 he was way down on average con considering 276 which is still decent but his ops plus was 88 but when he went to the Yankees, he still had that really high average, but he was hitting for more power. 
for uh, 2016 for the Rockies, that was probably his best year. That's when he won the batting title. 348, but he hit for the most power as well because he had a 495 slugging percentage. So his OPS plus went up to 128. So, and he had similar numbers with the Yankees. 2020, 364 average, which that's still pretty good. Uh, but he, he led the league in on-base percentage too, 421. Therefore, he led the league in OPS Plus at 178 because he had a 590 slugging percentage. So that's been the main thing with LeMahieu going to New York is he's just hitting for more power. And therefore, he's getting the higher OPS Plus. Yeah, he's definitely taken advantage of his situation in New York where, you know, even when the Yankees signed him, they were thinking that he was just going to be a utility guy. And the only reason he got more playing time was, um, I forget who it was, I think at third base, but injuries popped up, DJ filled in, and he just you know, continued to do a lot of what he did with the Rockies and just kind of excelled a little bit even further with the Yankees. So he definitely took advantage of that. Um, you know, and like, I think, I think what we, we, we kind of talked a little bit too about with some of these park adjusted stats like WRC plus, like OPS plus, um, I think that some of the Coors factor kind of factors into that, that, you know, we have to think where these stats are, a little bit harsher on Rockies players and maybe they're not always as encompassing as they should be. So um, one of the things that I had learned about WRC plus a while ago was that they basically treat every road game as a neutral ballpark. So for the Rockies, how, how that would work is you think about all the parks we have to go to with uh, San Francisco, LA, San Diego. Those are major pitchers parks. They shouldn't have a park factor that is league average, right? The Rockies should ideally be getting a little bit more credit for getting um, hits there. It obviously doesn't help that the Dodgers have a pitching staff of like all former Cy Young winners right now. Yeah. Just so many, right. But um, you know, sometimes it can be a little harsher. Whereas if an opponent comes into Coors field, they treat, they have the same thing happen to them with WRC plus they consider Coors Field since it's in a way stadium a neutral ballpark a neutral hitters park which is you know we all know that's not going to be true right so when we talk about hey sometimes it may ding hitters a little bit more than it should um that's what we're talking about so for DJ LeMahieu if he had like a WRC plus of 91 maybe it should be closer to 94 95 let's say but yeah. By the way, too, on the Dodgers, since you had mentioned them, um, an article I, I believe I had yesterday up on the site, uh, yesterday meaning Wednesday, if you're listening to this on Friday, um, for the Rockies in 2016, that was the year they drafted Riley Pint, who, of course, he was in the news this week because he retired. Um, the Rockies did draft a few players after him that are major league players, or at least have played in the majors this year, like Ben Bowden, um, Garrett Hampson. Another one is Jordan Sheffield. He was drafted by the Dodgers, of course. But you look at the Dodgers, and you want to know why they're such a good team. 2016 draft. They draft Gavin Lux. They draft Will Smith. They draft Dustin May. They draft Jordan Sheffield. 
right there. I mean, there's four guys in the major leagues and if it wasn't for Sheffield's injury. He would have been, he was the best Rockies reliever this year. And mind you, he hadn't pitched above a ball for the Dodgers. I, actually, I take that back. He pitched in a few games in double A for them. But that's how deep the Dodgers are, where a double A guy in 2019 who missed 2020 because the minor league season was canceled has been the Rockies' best reliever this year. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy, and it shows why the Dodgers are set up for success. And I think we as Rockies fans unfortunately know all about their crazy depth with rookies that love to come up in the bottom of the ninth when the Dodgers are down 4-3 and hit a walk-off three-run home run. They just kind of produce these guys out of thin air. Yeah, and there's some of them, like, this year at the beginning of the year, like, Zach McKinstry. Who in the world is that? Or... <laughs> Sheldon Noisy, and you're you pronounce your last name Noisy, but it's spelled N E U S E. But somehow you just uh, you're just like magically pop out of thin air, and you're you're gonna just absolutely kill the Rockies. <laughs> that is literally the most Dodgers thing I have ever heard. <laughs> it's like it's it's absolutely mind boggling, and it's. I mean, there's there's plenty of Rockies killers out there, unfortunately, for the Rockies. Alex Dickerson, um, Max Muncy, um, almost all of them are just they just kind of pop out of thin air. It seems like, mm -hmm. like Max Muncy was not a top prospect. He was he was with Oakland, and Oakland thought uh, the Moneyball Oakland A's are like, eh. He goes the uh, the Dodgers, and he's an MVP like player. Alex Dickerson was another one where he was, if I'm not mistaken, he was a waiver claim with a few different teams and he goes to the giants and he just absolutely kills the Rockies. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> it's just absolutely stunning. Um, uh, that was actually one of the articles I had up on the site too today was um, three players the Rockies gave up on too early or they they didn't have enough faith in them another one too uh, well actually two of them we just saw uh last week or not this past weekend the previous weekend previous road trip Pittsburgh Tyler Anderson is one another one is Sam Howard the Rockies have had a hard time with lefty relievers this year and Sam Howard is doing a hell of a job for the Pirates his walk rate's a little bit high as it was with the Rockies, but his ERA with the Pirates last year and this year is just slightly over three. And then the Rockies have Bowden and Gilbreth who are struggling to stay in the major leagues. And if they don't have those two, you have a nine man bullpen with no lefties. So yeah, that's, that's yeah, part of the Rockies problem is they just haven't been able to, identify the talent and get as much as they can out of them. Mike Talkman's another, he's kind of struggled this year though, but I mean, look at 2019 for him, for the Yankees, he was like their seventh outfielder and he's got an OPS plus of like 130. Tom Murphy is another, and I actually mentioned him in the article too, 2019, he had an OPS plus with Seattle of 125 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they were in Albuquerque for the Rockies. 
Yeah, no, it's uh, I, I saw that one when I when I was reading that article today, and I knew that Tom Murphy was going to pop up. And it's just <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that's one where, and especially Rocky's Twitter will let you know that that was someone <laughs> that the Rockies should not have let there go. There are plenty of Tom Murphy guys on Twitter. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a lot of Kyle Freeland guys too, but there there might even be more Tom Murphy guys. Right, right. I think, especially <laughs> now, I think there's a little bit more angst in their voice when they're Tom Murphy guys. But yeah, um, I do want to go back. I have to um, make a. I have to talk about our uh, left-handed our struggles with lefties in the bullpen. Um, you know, I, I do think that's something that we should have. We should have more, and we could use better. Um, I remember looking at before the season had started. Uh, I think our entire bullpen, we didn't have a single lefty in the bullpen. And I sent out a tweet that um, I, I have to bring this out. I sent out a tweet that was talking about, man, I love to see that we're taking the Matthew McConaughey approach with our bullpen here. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if I if I remember correctly, they they started the season with Bowden, but then if maybe that's when he went on the injured list, or they sent him back. But yeah, there's been numerous times this year where the Rockies have had nine or ten guys in the bullpen, and they don't have a lefty. It's and that's one thing where like okay, on the trade market or the free agent market, you're trying to find somebody re- to replace Nolan Arenado. You're not going to be able to do it. Let, and before you jump down my throat, Rockies Twitter, uh, I know the Rockies gave them a boatload of money and all that. I, you can't really debate that. But if you're trying to replace them, like McMahon and Fuentes have been able to replace him defensively, but not offensively yet. But you can very easily find a left-handed reliever on the market. Now, they might not end up pitching well because – Coors Field or injury or whatever, but to just simply not have a left-handed reliever, it it's kind of asinine, especially when you have nine or ten guys in the bullpen. Like, oh, okay, we're running short staff because we've got some injuries, so we've got a six-man bullpen right now. You should still probably have a lefty, but that's a little bit more excusable. But if you got a 26-man roster and you have 14 or 15 pitchers on it, there is no excuse for not having a lefty on there. And it's, it's that's one of the things. Like I said earlier, sometimes it, it sometimes there's a reason behind some of the moves, and then there's some of them you're like, I have absolutely no idea what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, it, it made it made absolutely no sense to me when I saw that um, at the beginning. And, you know, like you said, there should be a reason behind it. But at what point, you know, even like, yeah, I, I you I've can't sign Oliver for. Perez I, or Jerry Blevins to a minor league deal with a spring well, invite. Yuli Chassin was available. Yeah. I mean, if you can find him, you can sign Oliver Perez. Where Oliver Perez was with Cleveland, he signed, I believe, a minor league deal, and it was it was towards the end of April or early May. He was pitching really well, and Cleveland they let him go because they were like, "We aren't using him enough. Our pitcher, our starting pitching has been too good." Where he had been in like three or four games, so they let him go. The Rockies could have picked him up then, they didn't. It's yeah. Sometimes it's. 
he had to, uh, and it's not just with the Rockies, sometimes with teams in general, like, okay, maybe you've got more information than I do, but I have absolutely no idea what you're doing. Right. (laughs) Like I said at the last, at the end of the last uh, segment, sometimes that's baseball. So (laughs) on the other side of the break, we'll talk about some betting odds for this weekend that Kevin is looking at and some that you should look at as well. That on the other side of this break. And we are back here on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. Noah Yingling and Kevin Larson here with you. And we will talk about some betting odds for this weekend. Our sponsor is WinBet, the official betting sponsor of Fansided, as well as our parent company, Minute Media. Um, So what were some of the uh, things that you were looking at this week, including one that might surprise some Rockies fans? Yeah, so I um, looking ahead at this uh, matchup that we're going to have with the Cincinnati Reds this weekend and trying to see like, okay, where are we going to have some of our best opportunities uh, in this game? Try to make a little bit of money, try to see what's out there and what we should hit. Right. Um, I think it's it's no shock to anyone that the Rockies are not good on the road as they were already down six to nothing to the Marlins in today's game in the second inning when we started recording this. Um, They're in the sixth now, and it's eight nothing. So, uh, okay. See, so if you are a gambler, you probably know. Hey, there is usually a lot of value on the run line if you bet against the Rockies when they're on the road. Um, if you are unfamiliar to gambling or baseball gambling or what the run line is, that's basically um, basically think of it like the spread. So any team in baseball that's going to be favored is going to be favored by one and a half runs, which simply means they have to win by two runs or more for that bet to hit. Um, with the Rockies, if they are on the road as an underdog, which they're usually always going to be on the road. They've only been favored in one road game this year. So as a road underdog, they are 9-18 and 18 this year. That means that they're only covering the run line by, you know, on 33% of games that they're playing. So your intuition tells you, hey, they're going to play the Reds. They're going to be on the road. Um, and they are not great on the run line. I should probably go ahead and bet on the Cincinnati Reds to beat the Rockies by two runs or more. Um, This is one that I would hold you up on because the Reds um, honestly are not that great on the run line. They're almost equally as bad at home on the run line as the Rockies are on the road. As a home team, they're only 10 and 19 on the run line. So they only cover it 34 and a half percent. So I'm looking at the Rockies only covering 30, like 33% of the time. The Reds only cover it 34% of the time. That is probably something that I am going to stay away from completely. Instead, what I'll do is I will get on to win bet and I'm going to check and see what the total is going to be for tomorrow's game. I would probably expect it to be somewhere around eight and a half, maybe nine runs. And I'm probably going to side towards the over. The Cincinnati Reds are actually, they have, they've hit the second most overs in the majors this year. They're only behind the Minnesota twins, which was a little surprising to me. I didn't expect to see the twins up there, but the Reds, it may, it makes sense that they, you know, they play in great American small park. We might've mentioned that earlier, but that's. They also play on Venus, Jupiter, Mars, and the moon. 
All at the same yes, time. Yes, all at the same time in a big red stadium. But <laughs> um, but there, there's generally going to be a lot of runs that are scored in Reds games. So I would probably look back and say, hey, the over is probably one of the first things that I am going to look at. If we look at um, tomorrow's matchup, we have Kyle Freeland going on the hill for us. Um, I think we're all Kyle Freeland guys, but he's had, you know, while he's coming back from injury, I think it's been a little bit of a rocky start for him as he's trying to find his way. Um, and especially knowing that we have our struggles on the road, it's probably going to be a good opportunity for um, the Reds to be able to jump on uh, Kyle Freeland. At the same time, the Reds are starting Tyler Malley. You said Malley, right? We, we yeah. had to talk about this pronunciation earlier because I didn't want to mess it up too bad. Uh, but Tyler Malley is starting. And one thing that I think is interesting for him is that if we look at some of his splits, um, he has, and he has another interesting uh, deal here at home. He has a whip of 1.50 uh, hitters are hitting 289 against him. And if you look more into the advanced stats, he has an FIP against him of 5.07. Um, that's pretty high. And that tells me that there's probably going to be some opportunity for the Rockies to be able to score some runs against him. So um, especially in this first game that we have going on on Friday night, that uh, the over is probably a line that I am going to look towards. Um, one other one for that, for the game tomorrow night, or if you're listening now, it would be Friday night. So tonight, um, one other line that I would want to look at is his strikeout line. Um, I've been looking on WinBet. I don't see any that are listed right now, but if they have the strikeout line pop up, I have seen it in places before for, um, for Tyler where his, his strikeout line is at about five and a half. What I like with him is that at home, while he's having all these runs scored against him, he still has a strikeout rate of 30.1%. That's a pretty decent number. And if we, if we go ahead and we look at the amount of times that the Rockies are striking out on the road, they actually strike out the fourth most with a K percentage of 27.1%. So since both of those lines are about average, I'm expecting that he's going to have, um, you know, a similar similar performance in terms of his case. If we go ahead, I'm going to load up his game log here real quick, because that's always another thing that you should look at, because while all these numbers always make sense, you should always do your other research and make sure that it's good. Um, his last two starts. So both of these were on the road against the Cardinals and the Cubs. He had eight strikeouts in both uh, games. He has already played the Rockies and it was, or he has already pitched against the Rockies. He went for seven innings, struck out the Rockies four times at Coors Field. Um, I'm thinking that, you know, there might have been maybe some adjustments before. I don't know exactly how often he's thrown at Coors before, but um, he may have tried to have some adjustments and that's why he's had a lower strikeout number. Plus, while we don't always like to get into the Coors bias, um, the Rockies this year just hit a lot better at home. They perform a lot better at home. So I would think that while they're on the road, even in a very hitter-friendly park like Great American Ballpark, that um, Tyler Malley will hit his prop number of probably six or more strikeouts. So I would be intrigued to see what that line is at. I'd expect it to be around five and a half, and I'd be intrigued in the over there, even though we're probably expecting quite a few runs to be scored. By the way, he has had two previous times at Coors Field, and I don't know exactly what he had, 
against them, but it wasn't good considering uh, <laughs> the Rockies have hit 352 with a 382 on base and a 549 slugging against him at Coors Field. And that's including that start where he, his last start where he had seven innings, seven hits allowed, only two runs, struck out four. So that's including that. So the first two were not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they would have been, they would have been then 2019 or before, since they obviously didn't play them last year with the COVID yeah. schedule. By the way, another bet too, that uh, it's Ooh. always a very smart bet. Because you, you told me it was about three hours ago now. There's never been a better price on it. What is that bet? That is true. If you are a Rockies fan and you are very optimistic, WinBet actually has the Rockies to win the World Series right now at plus 50,000. So those odds are basically if you put down just $1 on the Rockies to win the World Series and they win the World Series, you'd win 500 bucks. There's literally never been a better price on it. So if that if that suits your uh, suits your game, <laughs> at least this year, 2017, 2018, there was hopefully a better price than that. <laughs> that's 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 true. I will I will say though. So um, eh, you know, some books, and I I don't know if WinBet does this right now. I need to learn more about their book. But some books do give you the opportunity to cash out your bet if things are going well. So um, my story last year is uh, when gambling first came here, uh, the Rockies before the season started were at 200 to one in the book that I had placed this bet. in. it was just like a small, just a small, whatever bet. I'm a fan. I want to see them try to win the world series. Um, they started out really well. And in some of those instances where if those odds all of a sudden start to um, turn more into your favor, you have the opportunity to make a little bit of a profit. So let's say that you went ahead and placed that bet right now and the Rockies all of a sudden, you know, they, they flip the script on the road and they're all of a sudden now 20 and five. They make a 20 and five run and they have a real shot at getting the wild card on possibly making the playoffs. You have the opportunity to be able to cash out your bet and make a little bit of a profit. By the way, too, for win bet, that is W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. You can use that in the state of Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee or Virginia. And they, like a lot of other uh, betting things, will probably be expanding in the months and years to come as well as it's becoming more popular. So, Are there any other ones that uh, you find intriguing for this weekend? You know, those those were the ones that popped out to me right now when I started to look at the schedule. Um, I'm noticing I'm looking on ESPN. It doesn't look like uh, the Reds have announced a starter for Sunday yet. And um, we have Sensatella going. And although I am a Sensatella fella, I would probably be looking at the over there also. Um, oh, one other thing I'll point out about the over and Rockies and Reds is in the four game series uh, that the Rockies played the Reds earlier this year, three of those games hit the over and one pushed. So we have some historical data there that tells us the over is probably likely between these two teams. That's definitely something to consider. And by the way, on Sunday, originally it was going to be Sunny Gray for the uh, Reds, but 
Um, he went on the injured list. So that's why they mm. not announced a starter yet. So could be a minor league guy, could be one of their long relievers. They were hoping Jeff Hoffman would be back, um, but he is on the injured list right now. So I, one guy who it could be, could be, is Ashton Goudeau, former Rockies legend, of course. Mm. And see, like, we, we start to throw those names around, and this all of a sudden makes even more sense that, you know, the over is probably going to be the right play there. Given that it's given that it's at a right number, I'm not saying go ahead bet it blindly, but if we have something around like eight and a half or nine, um, I'm thinking that the over is probably you know worth a play at that point. So just in the time that we've been recording this, it has gone from six nothing to eleven nothing Marlins. So the the Rockies will be losing their series in. Miami, unless they somehow score at least 12 runs in the next three innings. Um, so not a good day for the Rockies. It was uh, Gonzalez and then uh, Shasin came in. Um, so the Rockies will look to try to uh, win again in Cincinnati because it doesn't look like it's going to happen tonight. So anything else? Uh, no, I think those were the ones that were popping out to me now. I think that, you know, when these, when more lines come available, maybe I'll tweet some out and we'll kind of see what, uh, um, what intrigues me. Sounds good. And this weekend we will have, well, we'll have some news on Friday and you'll probably be listening to this on Friday. Check out that news. We'll have that on the site as well as on Twitter. So make sure you pay attention this weekend. And on Twitter, we are at RocksPileFS. And the site is RocksPile, R-O-X-P-I-L-E. Or if you forget what I just said, you can always look down right at your podcast right now and see how to spell it. So for Kevin Larson, I am Noah Yingling. And for tonight, too, you know, Kevin Henry, he always ends it with, hey, let's go Rockies. Tonight, it's... Let's go Rockies and let's go Avalanche. Yes, yes. We need, hopefully, when you all are listening to this tomorrow, we are celebrating a Game 6 victory and getting ready for Game 7 here at the Ball Arena. And hopefully the Avalanche can keep their season alive. So, like I said, hey, let's go Rockies and let's go Avalanche. We will see you on the next episode of the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.